Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Tendy Talk, presented by the BLPA and the Hockey Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with fellow Hockey Podcast Network creator Neil Villapiano. Neil is a goalie from New Jersey who also hosts the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Neil. Neil, hey, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's uh, good to have you on and fun to have a uh, fellow uh, THPN podcaster on. Yeah, it's uh, it's really nice to meet you. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm always excited to talk hockey, particularly the goaltending position. Um, and uh, I'm just I'm just really pumped to be here. Yeah, so you're in New Jersey. How, how did you uh, get into the great game of hockey? You know, I, I know at least when we were growing up, it was – well, maybe a little more New Jersey, but uh, it, it wasn't the the it game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, you know, for me, I was one of those kids that kind of was like a late, um, I don't know if you would call it like a late bloomer, somebody who kind of, uh, as they got much older, they started getting into hockey. I would say around 2005, 2006 is when I really started watching hockey. And, you know, being somebody who's always been, uh, a, a fan of, you know, the local team supporting the local teams. It was just very easy to be a fan of the New Jersey Devils because they were here playing yeah. at the old Continental Airlines Arena and, you know, just watching the sport. I fell in love with it right from the start, like a lot of people do. Just the speed, the action, the physicality, the scoring, everything like that from start to finish uh, was just really what I loved. And uh, I became a hockey fan almost immediately. So you become a fan you know, how soon after did you start, you know, skating? That's a really good question. I actually didn't start skating until I was about 13. Um, okay. You know, it took me a couple of years to kind of uh, gain the confidence in myself to want to not only learn how to skate, but I wanted to play hockey. Um, convince mom not, and dad. Yeah, convince <laughs> my mom and dad to spend the thousands upon thousands of dollars that every <laughs> hockey player's parents have to spend when their children wants to play this sport. It's it, it's an expensive sport, but in many ways, it, it's 100% worth it. And yeah, I, I had to learn how to skate first. And I remember um, the first time I learned how to skate, they accidentally gave me a pair of figure skates. So I learned actually how to skate first off um, with a pair of figure skates. And uh, it wasn't until the last day where you had to do like an exam where I decided to use hockey skates I didn't do that well. I ended up, unfortunately, failing the exam, whatever test they call it. And I waited around for another, like, couple of months. And I was in uh, I was in Wall, New Jersey, and they had a uh, 
you know, learn to play, learn to skate program mm-hmm. for, for hockey players. So I was like, well, this is no brainer. So yeah. I learned how to skate with regular, you know, hockey skates and I took the test and I passed uh, with flying collars. And that's how I learned to uh, skate um, at the age of 13 going on 14. That's awesome. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, one of my high school teammates, we later learned that he got his start not only learning to skate and figure skates, but in figure skating. And he, he likes to bring out the picture and puts it on Facebook during the Olympics now that uh, he figure skated with Johnny Weir and beat him in one of, you know, it was like a eight year old figure skating competition. But, you know, cool. there's him and Johnny Weir on the uh, podium and he's standing, you know, on the first and Johnny Weir's on second. He's like, what could have been? What could have been? Could have been. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you start skating and, you know, I, I think like a lot of goalies, we, we start out learning to skate and, and play the game, mm-hmm. uh, but, but we're just drawn to the position. What drew you to the position and when did you uh, get to put the pads on? That's a really great question. I first drew to being a goaltender from watching arguably the greatest goaltender to ever play the position. And that is Martin Berder. Yep. Um, the, the first thing that stood out to me was just simply that, you, every goaltender has a very unique mask, as we all know, and everybody's mm-hmm. designs are cool. And, and that was the first thing that, that, that was drawn to me. I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like, it's so much different than any other, you know, type of hockey player. And then you see the pads and the stick and everything. And you say, wow, this looks like a really, really cool, like, get up. What is this position? <laughs> and then once I learned about the goaltending position and the job of the goaltender is to stop the puck, I said, I enjoy stopping the puck more and and being the biggest reason in many ways that a team wins a game than scoring any type of goal. I really enjoy um, the position. So right after I learned how to skate, I immediately told my parents that I wanted to be a goaltender and their reaction at first was not great because when I was younger, I didn't really uh, handle pain very well. Like my pain tolerance (laughs) wasn't great. So like I would be, this is the funniest thing that I tell people. I am scared to get hit by a baseball, but I don't mind getting hit with a puck. I don't understand. I don't understand that, but you know, even nowadays, yeah. like it's still, it's still like a weird thing. Um, but I learned, you know, as I got older, I you know continued to play baseball. Um, you know that that fear is still a little bit there, but you know it is what it is. I learned how to play football. That was you know that was okay. Basketball is not as physical. But I wanted to play goaltender because I wanted to be on the ice at all times. I didn't yep. like the fact where as a, as a forward or a defenseman, you had to sit on the bench and wait a little while, and then you're only on the ice for 30 to 45 seconds. I wanted to be involved in the game from start to finish. I wanted to play. So yep. it was easy for me to want to become a goaltender. And the first guy, obviously, like I said, that inspired me to be a goaltender was Martin Berder, and he is still my, my biggest idol when it comes to sports. You know, I, I think we were really spoiled in that era when you look at the goaltenders. You had Marty Berder, Dominic Hasek, uh, Patrick Waugh, Eddie Belfour, Mike Richter, uh, Kelly Rudich. I mean, you yeah, can Felix name, Potvin as well yeah, during Potvin, that time. Yeah, Potvin, Cujo. I mean, we could go over 15 goalies, and I would argue all of them should be in the Hall of Fame. Most 100%. of them already are. And, you know, like you said, arguably the greatest goaltender of all time but there's two other and two other goalies in that conversation and they played at the same exact time, you know? And it's like, I I know for me, I I didn't think Broder was that great in those days. It's like, he's lucky because he's got the trap and all of this. Yeah. But I I knew, I knew somebody was going to bring this up. People bring it up all the time, but it's like, I was a Belfort fan. So I was a little biased. Like that's fair. And he's better. But as time went on and, he kept playing and the game changed and he changed with it. And he was still dominant. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. He is, you know, definitely arguably the, the best goaltender, you know, yeah. and, and I think that's where the conversation gets really interesting. Is it the greatest goaltending career or is it the goal, greatest goaltender for a period of time? Cause I think if we look at a period of time, I mean, Hashik's got to be, the greatest goaltender, you know, because he had about a two, three year run where, yeah, you know, it was just ridiculous. Um, how, how none of those Buffalo teams won a Stanley Cup is beyond me. 
those were those were much better times in Buffalo than there are now. Could, could, could you imagine Hashik's numbers if he would have played for New Jersey during that time? He would have been the greatest goaltender to ever played the position. Yeah. I don't think there's any. I don't think there would have been any debate whatsoever. I don't know about. <laughs> I'm sure he would have won three Stanley Cups. Maybe they would have won another. More. Who knows? You know, I I've always said that. The the biggest the only knock that Marty Berder ever gets for you know other than obviously he played with you know Scott Stevens Scott Niedermeyer Ken Danico some of the greatest defensemen that ever played the position and you know he had goal goal scoring prowess with so many guys like Claude Lemieux Alexander McGillney Patrick Eliash Peter Sikora the yeah. list goes on and on and on um, the other knock really for Marty was simply that he didn't win the 2001 Stanley Cup final against. Patrick Wall. Yeah. Um, I think if he had won that, there would be literally no debate. I, at least in my opinion, people would say, oh, what about Stanley Cups? And it's like, well, Marty also has more cups than Patrick Wall. Um, He's got more goals in him, too. Yeah, he, that's, <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. Um, Koshik, you know, there's a reason why they called him the dominator. I mean, yeah. there's a reason that they called him that. He was he was insanely good and nobody could figure it out. And speaking as a devil's fan, I know what it was like in many ways to see Dominic Hoshik with Buffalo, even when he was later in his career, when he was with Detroit, he was still very, very good. And I do agree with you that if he played on the New Jersey devils during that period of time, they would have won the same amount of Stanley cups, maybe even more. And I think that if, you know, you give him a couple more cups, there is much more of a definitive saying to say that Dominic Hoshik was the greatest goaltender um, of all time. Yep. Um, and you brought up a point about before for Marty, was it the greatest, you know, was it the greatest career for a goaltender? Or was it, you know, was it the greatest period of time for a goaltender? I've argued that it's the greatest career for a goaltender because stat, it's not just the stats. The other thing is that he played the position in a way where the NHL had to change the rules of mm-hmm. the game. The, the whole thing where the play the, the goaltender can't play the puck behind his behind his net or like right to the side of his net you can't you can't do that anymore yeah you can't do that I, I mean it just happened when the devils took on the Bruins this past weekend uh Jeremy Swamy got called for a penalty for delay of game because of that specific reason yeah it's the dumbest penalty it is the dumbest penalty but it was because Martin Berdeur was so unbelievably gifted and talented with how he could be that that fourth, def- that third defenseman on the ice to pass the puck, set up his teammates, and you know create offense going the other way. That the NHL was trying to find a way to slow him down, and also he had his own. He's had his own goalie style. We talk about butterfly, stand up, high, you know, hybrid. Really, Martin Berdeur was the one that really kind of I wouldn't necessarily say invented, but really promoted the hybrid position where yep. it was a mix of both butterfly and stand up, and he would stack the pads. I mean, everybody's seen some of the great yeah. saves that he's made, the Scorpion saves. He just played the game as he defined it yeah. Marty's way. I, I would say him and Cujo were the true hybrid goalies of that time. Correct. And, you know, I, I kind of alluded to the knock some people give Marty, and that's, you know, well, he played on those Devils teams with the trap. Uh, but I always argue back that uh, good teams – make their goalie look good because their goalie is so good. They, they get to take chances they wouldn't normally yeah. take, you know, yeah. the devils played different when Chris Terreri was in net, which again, there's a guy I think is one of the uh, all time greatest backup goalies. Yes. Chris Terreri. 100%, 100%. He's a, he's a devil's legend in, in many ways in himself because not only was he just a solid goaltender in the early 80s, in the late 80s, early 90s, and even when he came back several other times, but he also stayed within the Devils organization. He was Marty Berdur's goalie coach for like the last six, seven mm-hmm. years of his career. Like that's how much the Devils and, you know, really many people in the hockey world, you know, valued a guy like Chris Terreri. So that kind of shows yeah. you he was one of the better backup goaltenders we've ever seen. Yeah, and, you know, he, he's one of those guys where – he could have gone to a bottom feeder team and been mm-hmm. a starting goalie, but he was just like, no, you know, he, he knew where he fit perfectly. You know, right. last week I had uh, Sammy Joe small on and the title of her book is the role I played, mm-hmm. you know, and Chris Terreri understood the role he played and he wasn't going to try and play a different role. He did. Um, you know, and I, and, for a guy that just wore the combo, he still had so much style. You know, he, 
I, I think of him, you know, not, not just with the Devils, but his short time in Chicago and San Jose. I saw a picture of him today there, and it's like he just very understated style. Not not as flashy as Brodeur with his own designs on the pads. Um, I mean, but, Marty kept it pretty simple, I would say, throughout most of his career. I mean, you look at his helmet, the, the, it yeah, really never changed. Helmet. It was the same thing, you know, the devil, the devil's, you know, tail – around his helmet that was the same his entire career even when he had that short time at st louis it was it. relatively the same thing except he changed the blues colors because that was just who he was terrary had from a design standpoint he had a little bit more style than marty did 100 yeah. yeah you know one thing i, I appreciated about broder was the fact that he kept that design and you know we've seen so much change in mask art where they put all these little things and yeah. you, you, you got to be this close to it to really see what's going on but mm-hmm. was part of that 90s style where he could see what was going on from the stands right as time went on he still had those cool little easter eggs or if he had it up close he could see it but he still yeah. had that classic design i think you know he was able to keep that balance yeah and towards the end of his career that a lot of people don't realize is that uh he would have little Easter eggs like he had his kids on the back of his yeah. on the back pad of his uh, his mask with his dogs and also his father when he passed away in 2014, where he would kiss it prior to starting any game because, you know, he didn't get a chance to see his yeah. kids or spend a lot of time with his family while he was playing. So that was kind of those were kind of cool things. My favorite design that Marty ever did, which, again, he didn't do very much, was that when the Devils played in the stadium series game at Yankee Stadium in 2014 against the Rangers, he obviously had a helmet that was the same design, except it was red, green, and white, which yeah. almost looked like glow in the dark. And to me, that was like so cool. It was so simple, yeah. but it was so cool. And it was so Marty. And that's what I loved about it. Yeah. I, I think he should have sported that um, 70s porn mustache that he came into the league with <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, yeah, he was he was definitely rocking that stash. That's for sure. Yeah. He was a fan of he was a fan of uh, Movember, one hundred percent. Yes, exactly. So it's because of Marty. Really, you could say you gravitated toward the net. Uh, how far did you go? And you know, it sounds like you're still playing. Uh, I actually went up until about high school. I actually am wearing yeah. my old high school jersey right here, um, Red Bank Regional, which is in Red Bank, New Jersey, not very far from my house. I played up until about high school because by that time I realized that I wasn't going to be able to make a career um, playing in the (laughs) NHL. That was kind of one of my dreams. Um, And that's why I'm I'm doing what I do now, which is, you know, covering the devils and, you know, broadcasting games for, for hockey teams. Um, But I played in high school. Um, I got one win. It was definitely a a tough year to say the least. Um, But I was just happy to be able to play the position, make some saves win a game. And that was really what it was for me. Once I accomplished mm-hmm. all of that, I was totally like satisfied. I was like, okay, this is, you know, I achieved a lot of the things that I wanted to achieve um, in my time playing hockey and yeah. in my time playing goaltender. But there's always times, even nowadays when I watch games, there's times where I miss it. Like I miss the, the pregame warmups, you know, the hours before the game where you're mentally preparing yeah. uh, the warmups before the game starts you know, making saves, coming up with big time saves to help your team win the camaraderie in the locker room. I miss a lot of those things. I've definitely had the urge to maybe join, you know, a men's league, maybe down the road when I get a little older and uh, try to upgrade my gear. Cause it's been, it's been about seven, eight years since the last <laughs> time I used my gear, which is uh, not uh, adult regulation size. So I think I have to invest some of the money I, I I get from the great people here at the hockey pod network to uh to do that but uh it's definitely something that I've given a lot of thought to and I do hope that you know when the time is right that I get an opportunity to you know even just play for fun because yeah. I really do miss it it's I would say to many hockey hockey fans and hockey players especially like the young kids you just got to try to play goalie at least once before yep. you stop playing hockey. Play it once, even yep. if you don't like it. Just play it once because a lot of people, it's it's so incredible what happens when you strap them on and you actually play and, and you realize just how involved you are in the game. It, it's funny you say that because, you know, we would have a Christmas Eve skate in high school and it was just a fun shoot around. And then we would have, you know, a few scrimmages after our season was over. Mm-hmm. And I always skated out 
and I picked the kid that was always, you know, yelling at the goalies saying, you should have had that. It's like, you're wearing the pads today. And after that, it was night and day. They're all like, whoa, this is not easy. It's, <laughs> it's not for everybody. I would say that it's, you, I would say this, and this is a very stereotypical thing for goaltenders, but you got to be a little bit nuts to want to play that position. You have to be a little bit crazy because, again, you're having frozen rubber pucks being shot at you. And especially yep. as you get older and the players get better and they get stronger, that puck's coming in faster and faster and harder and harder. And you have to be mentally and physically prepared every single time to make those saves even yep. though, and especially when you know, in many ways, you, you're putting yourself in very harm and very much harm's way. Well, and, and there's times where you're out there and you know that guy with the puck on his stick, he's got a hard shot. And I mean, yeah. I've talked to other guys about we all know what the difference between a hard shot and a fast shot is. Right. You, you just see that guy with the hard I shot. I know the difference. Like, I have a, oh, it's I have a freaking hurt. stain from a hard <laughs> shot right here that I haven't washed off. So yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, right? Yeah. The, uh, Right, right near my heart, which obviously gave me a little scared. But luckily, the pads yeah. uh, helped me out a little bit. You see those guys coming down, you're like, it's, it's going to hurt, and I, I can't flinch. <laughs> yep. You can't uh, flinch because either it's going to hit you in a place where you don't want it to hit you, or it's going to end up in the back of the net. Yeah, and to me, that, that's worse than hitting me where I, I don't want it to hit me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know – I recommend getting back into the game and playing beer league hockey. It's, yeah. uh, it's really different for me. I, I played up into, into college. It was mm-hmm. division three JV, but still it was competitive hockey. But, right. you know, as you said, we, we had that, you know, get into the game early. And what I loved about college is, you know, the rinks on campus, we're the only ones using it. So instead of right. showing up an hour before the game and getting a key for the locker room from the rink attendant, it was show up whenever we wanted for a game. Right. You know, so it was not uncommon for me to be at the rink two and a half, three hours before a game. And I'm at my mm-hmm. stall getting, you know, and our rec center was connected to the rink. So, you know, you yeah. would usually go maybe ride the bike, run a few laps. And it's right. just kind of starting to get loose and get into that mindset. And, you know, may, maybe not have the headphones connected to the disc mint <laughs> uh, going, but, you know, yeah. starting to talk with the guys, retape the stick, even if it doesn't need it. Uh, right. You know, th- those little things, just getting in that mindset, you know, we're all creatures of habit. Hockey players are creatures of habit. Yeah. We all try to find things that not only maybe give us a little bit of, you know, maybe an edge in the game or, you know, something that could be lucky because there's nothing wrong with a little bit of luck, but also things to calm down the nerves. I've always yeah. said that, you know, a lot of time as a goaltender, you have a lot of nerves because, you know, pucks are going to be coming at you. Guys are going to be crashing the net trying to make plays. I mean, you think Mackenzie Blackwood on Sunday against the Rangers, you know, was trying to mentally prepare that he could get an elbow to the face? Um, probably because that's just what it is. That's the time that's, you know, you knew the job was dangerous when you took it. That's the, that's the reality of it. So you have to find ways to calm those nerves, settle yourself in mentally, you know, emotionally, physically prepare yourself for however the game's going to go. And sometimes it could go, it could be a very quiet game where you see 10, 15 shots and nothing really is coming at you, or you have a game where you got to face 50 some odd shots and you have to make, Every single one of those just to keep your team in the game. Every game is different. Hockey is a magical, unpredictable sport, as I say all the time. You don't know what's going to happen. And as a goaltender, you have to be prepared for everything. So, yeah, I mean, I can totally understand the whole idea of preparing even several hours beforehand, just sitting down. When I was in high school, I would be mentally preparing myself in the middle of class. Like, I, you know, and we're talking – four, five, six hours before puck drop. And I'm sitting there in class thinking about, you know, what I'm going to do in the game. And that's probably why my grades weren't so good, but you know, (laughs) it was that type of stuff, you know, you're mentally preparing for it every game. Well, um, like in high school, I never drove to a game. Always made my mom and dad try. My dad's like, you're, you got your license. Why can't you drive to the game? So we don't have to get there an hour before. It's like, no, I, I, you know sit in the back seat with my headphones on and just you know get he's like yeah this is ridiculous you know and even now playing beer league hockey i still get to the rink an hour before the game yeah my teammates don't show up until the zamboni's on the ice but i'm in that locker room getting ready you know um one 
really nice thing about beer league hockey though is there's usually beer in the locker room before the game. And I, I have found a just one one pregame beer. Yep. Really calms the nerves. Um, it just, loosens the body, that's for sure. It, it does. It's the darndest thing. You know, it's like I think I I was just kind of in a funk about two three years ago, and so I just cracked open because I wasn't drinking before the game at that point, and I just I cracked one open and went out and I had a game. So now go. it's like, well, okay, you know that that worked. It, it calmed me down and. Uh, yeah, darndest thing. And then, of course, I'm more of a wine drinker myself. That definitely calms my nerves. So, I yeah, mean, it all depends on what again. It's just one of the many things about yeah. getting yourself to, you know, relax, not only physically, but mentally and preparing yourself for what's to come. You might have opened up a whole new, uh, I guess you could say, uh, fancier side of adult hockey instead of the beer leagues, the wine leagues. I mean, my family and I make <laughs> wine in our basement every single year. We've been doing it for over 100 years. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I started a new trend. I would I would recommend it to a lot of people. It not, yeah. only, not only calms your nerves, it helps you lower uh, lower your blood sugar numbers, which is good as well, especially if you're you know a diabetic. So, it's, yeah. it, it's definitely something. Thing that I would recommend. Yeah, you know, it, it, cool that you guys make wine because I I make beer. Uh, I'm a you home know. brewer now. Grant, I haven't made beer in quite a while because I started making beer because I like to try different beers. Right. And then we had some great bottle shops open up in the area. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I can have five gallons of a beer. I don't know if I'm going to like or if it's going to turn out. Yeah. Or I can run up to the bottle shop and buy a six pack of six different beers. There you go. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. So, right. but I do enjoy the process of uh, brewing the beer and mm-hmm. the kids help every once in a while, which is kind of fun, even That's though they good. can't have any. Um, mm. So I, I know you got a watch uh, party deal going on tonight. So I want to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing a, uh, was it Rangers first Canadians tonight? So that should be a, uh, Caden Primo is getting his first start of the season. So that'll be, that'll be interesting to see how the Canadians play in front of him. Yeah, that, that'll be fun to see. But, you know, I alluded to early on, you've got your own podcast. Yeah. Where did the idea for the podcast come from and why did you start it? I, I think when we talk to other podcasters, it's like goaltending. There's something that drove us to do it. What yeah. drove you to, you know, just <clears throat> turn the mic on and start talking? That is a really, really good question because there, there's a lot that goes into it. it. It starts with just simply that since the time I was about 15, I knew what I wanted to be, you know, career-wise. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, and that was just in every sport. And so for many years, I honed my craft. I got my certification at Hofstra University. Um, you know, I, I had my own television show for three years down in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, and, you know, I've done a bunch of other stuff. I've written a couple books. I've done YouTube videos everything like that podcast podcasting wasn't something I had done. I knew about it, but I had never, I had never thought about doing it that much until I jumped on a friend's and did a couple episodes with him and said, Oh, this is kind of fun. This seems like something that I could, I could potentially do. And one day I was just on Twitter and uh, I had inter, I was interacting with the soda pod, which covers the Minnesota wild. Yep. And also, you know, great place to learn about all the big time breweries you can think of. It's, yeah, it's it- a wonder. Wonderful podcast. It's funny you mentioned that podcast. Joey uh, Neto on that podcast, his dad was my college goalie coach. And Joey Joey used to sweep up the rink during our summer hockey camp. So I've (laughs) known him for quite some time. That's awesome. So I I interact with them a bunch. And Isha, who's one of the guys that runs the network and also one of the guys on that podcast, he said to me, hey, do you want to come on for an episode and talk some hockey? I said, absolutely. So I went on there for like an hour or so. And then afterwards, Isha goes, man, we, we really love your energy by any chance, because you're, you know, you're a Jersey guy, you're a New Jersey Devils fan. We're actually looking for a new Devils uh, podcast host. Would you be interested? And I said, absolutely. I would love to do that. Um, and so he kind of worked me through it. I started the Devil State of Mind podcast in June of 2020, and uh, it's been growing ever since. And um I love it because I get to I get to live the dream at, at just 24 years of age. I get to talk about my favorite team. I get to talk about the sport that I love. And I have a lot of people that enjoy hearing what I have to say. And it's definitely something that I don't take for granted at all. And that I, I realize just how lucky I am. And um, 
devil's state of mind, just the name, I, you know, you're just trying to figure out a name that, that, that sounds good. It, it, it makes sense. It involves the devils. Yep. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm in the, I'm from New Jersey, but we're in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. And we know the song, New York state of mind. Yep. And I said, wait a minute, how about devil's state of mind? Yeah. And I we, like it. And we looked it up. Isha and myself looked it up to see if there was another podcast out there like that. They said, nope. And I said, all right, we got a winner. So devil's state of mind was the, uh, was the podcast name that I chose. I love it. Um, um, and like I said, I'm just really happy that I get to talk about the New Jersey Devils and, you know, have a podcast and do all the things that I do. It's, it's been absolutely phenomenal since I joined the network. Yeah. I, I started my podcast right around the same time as you. And it, it's, it's fun just talking to a bunch of different people about the game we love. And for me, the position we love, Right. It, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I find it fun. And apparently other people uh, do too. I, I joked when I first started, I, I think it was when I had uh, Ron Tugnut on, I said, ah, don't worry. You know, there's only tens of people listening. Well, that, that's not true anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, the way the, the way the network has done such a phenomenal job of growing and we have also Amaze Labs as well to thank, you know, for c- continuing to help us grow as a network. And really it just, it's one of those things where every time I am about to submit a new episode, I always look at, you know, how previous episodes have done and things like that. And I'm always blown away by the amount of people that not only want to listen to my podcast, but listen to everybody. And the amount of growth that we've had as a network has been absolutely 100% phenomenal. And it's great that we all have people that just want to take time out of the day to listen, watch, however they, you know, get their podcasts and just hear and see what we have to say. And I think that's the stuff that keeps people like you and I motivated every week yep. to, you know, share our stories, you know, interview people. I mean, I've had, you know, both Jonas Hiller and Eddie Lack on my podcast, which is phenomenal because yep. I, I watched those guys play in the <laughs> NHL yep. and I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would have the opportunity to interview them. Now I'm still working on Marty Berner. He's a lot harder to, uh, to get, but uh, I ask people all the time, if anybody's got a connection of some sort or anybody, I, I would love it because he would be somebody that I would absolutely be over the moon about if I had the chance to uh, interview. But th- like I said, this whole process and everything that's gone on with the Devil State of Mind podcast and the Hockey Pod Network has been 100% a blessing to me. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time slap shot or a deflection in front of the goalie. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week... One puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I completely agree with everything you're saying. It's been the same for me. You know, my Marty Broder was Eddie Belfour. I was lucky enough to get him on. Um, and him and his son came on. And it was fun because Dane and I played for the same youth association. Mm. So we, we were able to share some stories about the old rink. And uh, uh, I think that caught Eddie by surprise a little bit and allowed him to open up a little bit more, which was go. really fun. Uh, and they sent me some whiskey afterwards, which was great. Hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing no, wrong with that. No, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I think talking 
goaltending with Marty Brodeur and just the how equipment changed over his career would be amazing. Yeah. You know, one of the people I'm trying to get on my podcast is actually the Devils goalie coach because he is one of my old teammates. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Him and I were down at St. Mary's at the same time, uh, Dave Rogalski, and uh, super nice kid, quiet kid, uh, so that I'm not surprised it's hard to get a hold of him and track him down. I have his contact information, but he's just kind of, you know, like, meh. Do, do my own thing, you know, so. Yeah. He's also helping out, he's helping uh, Mackenzie Blackwood and Bernier help us uh, win some important games this year, that's for sure. Yeah, but I, I got to get him on because I had one of my other college goalie teammates on and he talked about how Dave not only ended his high school career uh, in the state tournament, but ended his college career when he came wow. to state. So I was like, all right, now I need to get Dave's side of the story. You got to you yeah. do that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, I want to get him on. Uh, so I don't know uh, how much you've listened to my podcast, but I like to end everyone with a list of 10 rapid fire questions. Sure. And there are the same questions I've asked every single guest, which I think is the fun part about it. So the awesome. first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? Oh my goodness. The craziest coaching moment was actually my dad being the head coach during the spring, the spring season. And uh, it was before one of our games he comes in and he told me ahead of time that he was going to, he was going to come into the locker room and flip out in front of the whole team <laughs> to get us going emotionally. So he comes in and he starts yelling at everybody saying like, do you guys have any pride? Do you guys have this, that, and the other thing? And you know, I keep a straight face, but in the back of my mind, I'm kind of laughing because I knew ahead of time that this was coming. <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of wanted to look around to see how people would react to hearing my father, you know, be that way. Cause I'm used to it. I, you know, he's been, he's been my coach since I was a kid. Um, but that was probably the best and funniest and craziest coaching story. And, uh, we had a really competitive game. We lost three to two. Uh, we actually lost four to two with an empty netter. Um, but it was really one of our most competitive games that we had. And, uh, we wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for my dad getting us emotionally energized to play that game. That's funny. I was, I was expecting something good since you're from New Jersey, maybe a table flip in there, but uh, <laughs> um, it's funny. You mentioned, you know, yeah, we lost three to two, actually four to three because of the empty net this weekend, our beer league game. I say we lost four to three, but there was an empty net goal, but they're shooting it down. I'm looking at my teammates. Goalie, goalies going, never count the empty yeah. net. It doesn't matter to them. I'm looking at my teammates. So I'm going, that one doesn't count. Nope. Doesn't count. Nope. That counts on your plus minus, not my. Yeah, it, it doesn't count against my goals against. That's for nope. sure. Nope. Uh, so, what's your fight? Your favorite all-time goalie mask? My favorite all. Oh wow! This wow! You really put me on the spot here. Um, my favorite. Uh, well, I said one of them actually before, and that was the Marty Bruder Stadium Series mask. Yeah. But the other one that I absolutely loved, one hundred percent loved was um, Scott Clemenson when he had the Spider-Man mask back when he was playing with the Devils. And he actually still works with the Devils as part of a goaltending department. Like we, the Devils have their own department led by Clemenson and Broder. uh, That's just basically on goalies. He had a Spider-Man mask, which was absolutely 100% awesome. Um, And also for the most part, any mask that Henrik Lundqvist had, because all of them were just phenomenal, no matter which one he had. They were all great. So uh, yep. those are those are some of my favorites. Good answers. I remember that Clemenson mask. That, that was a cool one. Uh, so what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Favorite rink that I've ever played at? Hmm. I would have to say probably the probably the Red Bank Armory, which is not very far from my, my house. It was actually converted from an old, um, I believe it's either, I believe it was a fire department, uh, an old firehouse. It was converted from a firehouse to a hockey rink. And, uh, you know, I had the chance to play there a lot and it's just really cool because it feel, you know, it's all brick. Uh, it feels very old school. Um, it's hosted a lot of really, uh, pretty impressive events that even the devils have hosted. Um, it's a very well-known rink within the entire New Jersey, um, state. Uh, and, and the biggest reason I like it is that it, you have this old school type of feeling with old, you know, there's no really seats. It's where, you know, you kind of have to like stand on both sides, you know, it's kind of like in a U shape and it's, you know, it stands and everything. It's a really, really cool place, mm-hmm. um, to play some hockey. That sounds pretty cool. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, so what's your favorite stick that you ever used? 
Oh, that's that's tough. My favorite stick was an old Sherwood stick. Uh, I think it was kind of like the same style that Marty had for a while there. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, towards like when he was in his like like later in his career, he had like a very old, you know, it was like an old slash new version of Sherwood. I don't know why I gravitated so much to it, but for some reason, it was the one that felt the best in my hand, like the one I felt the most control, and it was too heavy it was kind of like in a way where i could really you know skate back and forth and and you know be productive with the stick so that yep. was the stick that i used i don't remember the name of it exactly but i remember it had the dots um on the back but it had sherwood on the front very old school type of thing i'm an old school type guy yeah. so that kind of uh that was the one that i used and that i like the most yeah, I, I know what one you're talking about too, and I'm old school too. So when I got the new equipment, I, I had to go with the old school graphic. There you go. There you, uh, go. you know, it's funny when I was ordering the equipment, it was like I could go with the new graphics, no mm-hmm. problem, and come up with something cool. But I was like, it's going to look outdated at some point, and so right. I go. So it's like, well, the set I was replacing was 21 years old. Let's see if I can get the same graphic because I'll just look cool regardless and yeah got it done and it it goes it looks cool um so what's your favorite youth hockey memory favorite youth hockey memory i would say um i would say when i when i actually learned how to play the position um i have i have to give a lot of credit to a goaltending coach by the name of chris canale um who's actually the general manager of the philadelphia revolution which is a junior hockey team uh, he was a goalie coach. He actually was the goalie coach for the New Jersey Titans or the Trenton Titans uh, back in the day uh, when they played in the ECHL. Um, he was the guy that, you know, he was, you know, he taught me how to play the position. He knew that I was a guy that, you know, at 14, almost 15 years old is trying to learn how to play the toughest position in, in hockey and arguably one of the toughest positions in all of sports. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he, he did everything he possibly could. And he, and in two days, cause we had, we had a two day camp where for two days you're at um, you're in brick. And then two days after that, you're playing in an outdoor rink in Tom's river. And uh, interestingly enough, Trevor, um, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who was still in high school at the time uh, going into college was actually one of the, I guess you'd say local celebrities that was a part of that, um, that camp. So for four days, I started from not knowing how to play the position to knowing how to play the position and looking half decent doing it. Yeah. And I give all the credit to, to Chris Canale, um, because he was the one that, you know, turned me into a legit goaltender. And I have, I have the most respect for him. I actually had him on a podcast episode um, last year. He's a phenomenal guy. Um, really, really smart about the position. Um, definitely somebody I would recommend if anybody needs to learn how to play the position. He knows what he knows what it takes from the mental aspect to the emotional to the physical. He knows what it takes. And uh, he was the biggest reason that I was able to become a, a decent goaltender. So cool that you mentioned, you know, when coaching goalies, it's not just the technical side. It's the mental and the emotional side of it, because yeah. uh, I, I've had some really good goalies when I coached and they were head cases. Yeah. Uh, there were other terms we used for them, but uh, we, we can't use them anymore. So, nope. <laughs> but yeah, nope. they, they were head cases. You, you couldn't count on them. And then there, yeah. there were the other ones that were mentally strong. Okay. Technically it's like, I'm going to put that kid in the net over the other one for the big <laughs> game because I can count on. Them. I mean, you could teach the physical side of the sport. Yep. As far as the mental side, there's only so much you can do as a coach at, at some point, the individual has to make the decision in their own mind and in their own emotions that this is what they want to do and that they need to be as sharp as possible. And you need to have a balance. You need to have a balance of all three. If you can have a balance of all three, you're going to have success. You're going to get better. You're going to be able to do the things that a goaltender needs to do to win hockey games. Yeah. It, it's funny. You mentioned the emotional side of it. Cause one of the things that that plays into is, that drive, that that uh, yeah. competitive fire that you had before a game. And when I was coaching, you know, one of the other guys I coached with, he played in the ECHL during the lockout year against mm. NHL players and everything. And, you know, we're getting ready to face off against, you know, our team's arch rival. And there were kids, we had to get them fired up for the game. Yeah. And we're looking at each other like, what's going on? Like, nobody ever had to tell me to get fired up for a game. 
Right. As soon as I walked in the rink, we could be playing, you know, St. Mary's School of the Blind, and I'm going to be fired up for the game. Right. And here we are about to face off in Minnesota high school hockey against our arch rivals, the White Bear Lake Bears, in their barn, mm-hmm. which was a packed Aldrich arena. And we got to tell some of these kids, like, hey, like, it's a get big ready deal. for the game. Like it was just foreign to us, or like kids these days. It's, <laughs> it's, it's tougher. It's tougher now. It really is tougher to get the to get kids motivated uh, in many different ways because mm-hmm. of all different things, social media, um, you know, just different things. You know, it, and it's it's hard. But you know, over time, just like with anything else, over time, I feel that coaches will be able to figure out what makes these guys tick and how to really, you know, kind of poke the bear, so to speak, to get people motivated and I mean if you have to motivate your team every single time to get ready for games regardless of where they're playing it's it, sometimes it's just it's not necessarily you it's just the kids that themselves that that yep. that's who they are um but if you're able to figure it out and figure out what makes them tick then you you have a lot going for you yeah absolutely and I mean that's why I think we've seen guys like Mike Babcock go the way of the dodo it's you know that type of coach, unfortunately, in the NHL is kind of not as, um, I guess you'd say, accepting um, as they were before. Yeah. I mean, Lindy Ruff, Lindy Ruff, in many ways, you know, he was like that, but you can see that he's changed a lot yeah. um, because he understands that the game has changed. Um, you know, there's, there's guys that, you know, look at John Tortorella. There's a reason that he doesn't have a job right now. The way that he coaches teams is just not the way that players operate anymore. Yeah. It's just, yeah, they do need a kick in the kick in the rear end every now and then. There's no question, but it doesn't always work and it doesn't always produce what you want it to produce. There's a, there's always time for these things, but just the way that the players are, you know, as human beings nowadays, it's just not what it used to be. Yep. Absolutely. So the next question, what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice off the ice in the locker room, directed at you, not directed at you. This is this is a great one because the story goes is that um, we were playing a team that had a goaltender that had to leave early from the game because he was going to some you know camp or whatever. So my dad, who was the coach of our of our team at the time, he said, um, "Well, we have two goaltenders. I'll give you one of them." And he he gave the he gave me to the other team. So I'm playing against my own team as the goaltender for the other team. And funny thing enough, we end up winning the game. Not my t- the, the team that I played yeah. for, we won the game. We beat my high school. And it was like the funniest thing in the world because I go into my opponent's locker room and they're all giving me high fives. I felt, you know, I was like, that was my David Ayers moment, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, it was like, everybody's excited. They gave me the puck, which I still have um, for my first uh, – my first win. And that's the funny thing. That was my first win as a goaltender. And it wasn't even for my own team. That was the thing that was like the funniest thing about it. And then I go into my own locker room to get changed. and Everybody's in there like all pissed off. And they're all like, why couldn't you do that for us? Like, why, like, why did you have to like all of a sudden be really good for this? And, and you know, I kind of rebuttaled back. I said, well, if you actually blocked the shot every now and then, maybe we'd actually win some games. And that was and that kind of ended the whole thing because they knew that I they knew that I was right in that situation. But that was kind of the funniest type of situation that led to like some chirping. It was just very very funny. Yep, I I remember. I don't even remember who we were playing, but we had a similar situation where the other team needed a goalie, so we gave him one. And my buddy Donnie Merkel, he um, he wound up beating us. And we're like, Donnie, you couldn't let like one or two in, and he's just <laughs> kind of smirking in the corner, like. No, no, it's no. not, not going to happen. He's like, not against you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you may not have an answer for this because the, the, the question is, what's the worst post-game beer you've had? But you haven't played in a while. So what's the worst drink post-game that, that you've had? Oh, that's, you know, it's, it's th- there's a lot. There's a lot of situations where like, when it comes to beer, I've never really been picky. A lot of the stuff that I've had is usually good. Um, the worst thing that I think I've ever had post game was a uh, Sam Adams Oktoberfest. And that's the thing. I like Sam Adams Oktoberfest, but I guess like this particular time, 
my stomach just didn't cooperate with me because for some reason, the second that I had it, I just felt like horrible. I felt like right from the start and it gave me the biggest headache for, for hours afterwards. And I woke up the next morning and I'm like, there was no way that like I got drunk because I, you know, I, I felt like I was hungover, even though I was like, this is ridiculous. And I was just like, well, I'm not having this. So I, I actually haven't had an Oktoberfest in a long time. <laughs> uh, and that's probably why, but that would be probably the worst one I've ever had post game. You know, it's funny you say that. And I could probably debate this with the soda pod guys. Um, I like craft beer. I like <laughs> a lot of different styles of beer and Oktoberfest is one of them. But I will argue anybody that a good, cheap beer, like a Coors Light, even Bush Light was good Sunday night. But, like, that is the perfect post-game beer because mm. it's, it's light, it's refreshing, it's darn near water to begin with. You know, <laughs> you get one or two of them in you, then you go to the nicer craft beers. Right. But that, that first one, right when you get in the locker room and it's cold, it, it just it goes down nice and refreshing, you know. Yeah. I think refreshing is the big, is the big thing there. Yeah. You know, I I think a good Pilsner, um, a lager, even a gold Mm -hmm. nail, that that's kind of the ideal post-game beer. Um, And like I said, and then when you get to the parking lot, then you go into the crowd. Right. Then you drink the the nicer stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, So when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Oh, what did I do? I'm just like, (laughs) like, it's like funny to bring back these memories. Um, I went heel to toe. That was the way that okay. I did it. I did both. Uh, and you know, it's funny for me, I actually changed it every game. I never did the same thing more okay. than more than once. So if I did it, if I did heel toe one game while well, I did toe heel the next game, like it was just kind of, I don't know. It was just kind of a routine that I created for myself that actually was kind of what I, what made me feel comfortable. Um, yeah. I was a big fan. Uh, I was a big fan of the, um, of the Billy Smith, you know, tub at the top where it's just like yeah. really, really big. I don't know why it was never about because I was going to go spear somebody during the game, but it was like having that secure, you know, feeling when you have it at the top of your stick was kind of mm-hmm. like what I like. So I like the Billy Smith look. So, cause that's when I was a kid, I was like kind of looking up like stick styles, which one made the most amount of sense to me. And Billy Smith style was probably the one that I used the most. Yeah, no, I, I remember that one. So what is your favorite number to wear and why? Well, it's the one that I'm wearing right now, and that's 30. And it's mainly because of Martin Berder. Um, yep. And also because of Henry Lundqvist. Like, the thing about it is that the two goaltenders from, my, you know, the era that I watched, because I wasn't young, I wasn't enough to really remember the times of Dominic Hoshik, Eddie Dalfour, Patrick Waugh. You know, once I started watching hockey, it was, you know, Marty Berder. It was, you know, Hendrick Lundquist. It was Tuka Rask, Carey Price, uh, Roberto Luongo. But it was just watching the way, you know, watching those guys and seeing how, you know, both Marty and, and Hendrick Lundquist wore the same number, 30. It was just easy for me to pick a number. And that was the number that I chose. Yep. It's a good number. I started out with 30 because of Eddie Belfour. Uh, Fair enough. Then when I got to high school, I changed it to 35 for different reasons. And I always liked it because it kind of reminded me of Richter too. Oh, there you uh, go. And I, I was a big Mike Richter fan because of the 98 World Cup. There you go. That, that Some of the best goaltending I've ever watched. Awesome. Uh, there, there was a really good documentary on uh, NHL Network a couple weeks ago about that. And it was just fun to watch about the. Yeah, I think they had a, what about the 94 team? Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, 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 the 94. Had, yeah, that's yeah I've actually watched that one. It's a really good one. It's yeah. a, I, I would like them to do more styles like that if they can with other teams, just because I feel like that type of style is more exciting for viewers. That's yep. that better. Yeah. So last question. What advice do you have for young goalies? I would say, honestly, find your find what makes you tick. That's the biggest thing that I would say to people. It's just, you know, when you look at yourself as a goaltender and you want to say, okay, what type of goaltender I want to be? Not only should you watch a lot of goaltenders, but also when you play, just try different things, especially if you're like really young. If you're like seven, eight years old, you know, you have no pressure. Just go out there and do different things. See what makes sense. See what feels comfortable for you. You know, try on different things. Learn about 
not only yourself as a hockey player, but learn about yourself as a person, because you learn a lot about yourself as a person as well when you play this sport, because you do have to have a lot of confidence, you do have to have a lot of courage, and you do have to be, you know, a little bit wired differently to play this sport. And I would, I would say that. And also, it's going to sound very cliche, but it's so true. Practice does really make perfect in many ways. You, if, the more you practice, whether it's at home or whatever case may be, do it. You know, for me, when I was learning how to play, you know, Chris Canale, he gave me a drill that I did at home where I would put on my pads, I have my skate, I have my glove, and I would put on a timer in my kitchen and I would have to stay in the same position, the same, you know, firm position that I would be in, you know, when I'm ready to stop a puck for five minutes straight. I did that every single day because that helps my body and my mind prepare for that type of position and to be and to mm-hmm. be comfortable with it physically and also be comfortable with it mentally. So those are some of the things that I would recommend to young players and also just have fun. It's one of the funnest positions in all of sports. I yep. mean, you're yep. stopping a puck. You're, you are the biggest reason that a team uh, wins a game. And in many ways you can be also the biggest reason the team loses a game. So yeah. really in many ways, the, the puck as the, you know, not the ball is in your corner, but the puck is in your corner because you are controlling the game and it's a lot of fun. And if you're just having fun out there, it doesn't matter how many goals you give up because you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to make some saves and when you win and when you make some saves, it's a great feeling. Well, and I'd argue too, that the goalie is almost the, uh, the emotional leader of the team. If you're yeah. having fun, even if you're losing, your team's probably going to have fun too. Very true. Um, Very true. So where can folks follow you on social media, Neil? Yeah, you can follow uh, the Devil State of Mind podcast at Devil State on Twitter, on Instagram at Devil State of Mind, and also like us on Facebook. We post new episodes every Monday and Thursday talking all things New Jersey Devils. And you can follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and my personal Instagram at NVPQB11. That's a lot of letters. <laughs> but, yes, it but is. I've perfected it after a while. We will put uh, links to all of those in the show notes to make it easy on people, especially awesome. if they're driving, trying to remember all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I know you got to run, so I don't want to take up much of your time, but uh, th- thanks for hopping on the podcast, talking some goaltending and devil's hockey. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, big fan of the podcast. I'm excited that. Uh, you brought me on and uh, we'll definitely continue to uh, stay in touch and continue to talk about the wonderful sport that is hockey and the great position that is the goaltender. It was fun getting to know Neil and hearing about his hockey background. Discussing the merits of Marty Brodeur and Chris Terreri wasn't bad either. I think we could have done a whole episode just talking 90s era goalies. Who knows? Maybe we will in the future. Be sure to follow Neil on social media. He's at T-H-E-N-V-P show on Twitter and N-V-P-Q-B-11 on Instagram. Be sure to follow The Devil's State of Mind on social media simply by searching for The Devil's State of Mind. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. I even dropped a 2021 holiday shopping guide for those interested. If you want some wash-up goalie or tendy talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many shows to list here, but shows like the Quack Report podcast, the Tell It As It Is podcast, and the King's Den podcast can all be found. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. As always, I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to for future episodes. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or shoot me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, 
If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please rise for the Zerboni! <laughs>